the criteria Latifi needs to do to get re-signed. Not get last. <laughs> oh, Spa's back. And lights out and away we go. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton is halfway to space. <laughs> Personally yeah. go IndyCar over Williams. Yeah, space. <laughs> Grosjean Zoo. Guan Yu Zhou. Guan Yu Zhou. No, Zhou Guan Yu. I said that the first time. George was already sitting in that seat. Look, I don't agree with it, but you've asked a question. I'm trying to find a way to justify it. I'm just trying to absolutely tear your answer apart. G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko. With me, as always, is Andy. How you doing, man? I'm all right. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. I think I'd be a little bit better if this was Friday, but for a Thursday... As good as we can be, I think. That's fair. Look, I mean, we can't record Fridays because the episode no. comes out Fridays. Yeah, that's the thing. We're busy. We're busy. Oh, and also, we have a production schedule we try and keep to as much as we can. Only uh, when I'm in the country. Y- y- yes, you are the driving force behind the organization we use. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I would never not deny that. Uh, look, we're talking about the Hungarian Grand Prix. I'm doing a bit of a preview. Traditionally, we don't really care for this race. However, it's very, very, very special this year. Very special. Daniel well, Ricciardo's back. I was going to say, there might be a massive appendage there. Yes. Yes. And in every home around the country who watches. It's going to be a good race. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic race. I hope that the TV direction is just like, give the people what they want. Just that red button should only link to Daniel Ricciardo's car. In fact, there should be no other feed. Just Dan- Danny Cam all weekend. Maybe we should ask KO to uh, get Sky Glass for us and uh, so we can just have Danny Cam. Man can dream. Look, uh, also, I have such a love-hate relationship with like TV technology. We were in the country when Star, which is like... Country yeah. Foxtel, I guess. Yep. <laughs> I, I remember having Ozstar. You remember Ozstar? Do you remember how there was a four color button? And every yep. now and then they'd launch a new feature. It was how shit was it way back in the day? Oh, mate. <laughs> I still remember when uh, Super Saturday on the NRL, it had the red button and you could just change to different feeds of the different games. But the games were played separately. So it was just feeds from the ground. <laughs> there was no games getting played. It was just a feed from the ground. So you could watch them warm up or something. This is a genuine question, right? So, how old were you when that was occurring? Fuck. Like, I want to say somewhere in the age of 12 to 14. Do you think that had an effect on the career you went into where you pressed the red button, you went, this fucking sucks, I'm going to go do this properly <laughs> and became a producer? <laughs> no. Because, <laughs> I mean, it lines up relatively well. No, back when I was 14, I wanted to be a car engineer. But then I learned how difficult that was. <laughs> so you focused on production, so managing the engineers. Yeah. Hey, that's just smart money right there, man. Look, it's hungry. I'm hungry. I, I, I Also, I am hungry. I'm going to be doing quite a bit of cooking after this and watching some football because it's Thursday. However... What should we start with for Hungary? Have you got news for us this afternoon, Andy? Let's start with the the life update we got. Okay, we had... The king. I guess, yeah. The, the uh, king finally posted. Today, Lord of uh, the Rings 3 came out. Return of the king. Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> it was Monday, wasn't it? I yeah, but I only saw it today. 
You're really good at keeping up with the news, aren't you? Yeah, not great. I'm not going to lie. I um, dude, if the world ends, I'm going to find out 15 minutes after everybody else. <laughs> like, that there's no doubt me. in my mind. <laughs> I've got no fucking clue what's happening. Run us through it. So he's been staying off social media this year for obvious reasons. Um, people have been wondering what he's doing. What what's his next? Progress and turns out it's not even racing. He's going to go into business school this August. I think it's fantastic. I think I think it's fantastic. So one, we were very very critical of Latifi's driving, as was the whole entire sport. But I remember we constantly went, we really really like this man as a person, and he is. He's a fantastic dude. Canadians. Except for two. There's only two Canadians I've ever encountered that I don't like. And for some reason, they're both still in the sport. You've encountered the them? By nature of watching <laughs> the sport. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you, you encountered the Japanese alter ego of one. <laughs> Ran scroll. <laughs> Rant. Still Still highlight. fucking alert. Highlight of the Japan trip is finding that clearly purposeful typo. Oh, that's uh, great. It's it's nice to see that there is a career and there's a pathway for him after racing. As soon as it came out, though, every comment essentially went along the lines of, oh, he's going to business so he can come back into racing as either like manager or team owner or things like that. And if that does occur, and it's all speculation, that would be a cool way to still stick in the sport that you love. We have seen drivers turn into team owners. Normally, it's very successful drivers. Yeah, not. But he's a billionaire. Well, I mean, yes. his dad is. Yeah, I um, do. You see, a racing team forming around this young man over the next no. fifteen, twenty years? No, no. Okay. I, I, I reckon he'll just go into the family business. So he'll be a coffee boy. Yeah, and just be a billionaire. Like, oh no, I couldn't be a superstar race car driver. I guess I'll just be the one percent. I'll just the cry into the these of millions life. of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, good to see an update because I do think that Nicholas was treated quite unfairly online by that negative portion of any fan base that exists. F1's no different from any fan base. There's going to be the casuals, there's going to be the hardcores, and there's going to be that negative malicious faction that just seems to pop up whenever humans are fucking involved with anything. You mean the negative connotations that is Team LH, right? They're a large, they're a large portion of the negative community, but they exist for every driver. I think why Team LH gets or is so prevalent at the front of our minds constantly is one, we're natural Max fans. So mm. we do have a slight inherent bias. But the other aspect is they're very, very pervasive around all areas. So a lot of the negative parts of the fan base, you know, you've got the engine head to hate the fact we've gone hybrid and all they care about is changing the engine. You've got a different group for everything. Where Team LH always sticks their nose in is it's on every little facet of every part of society at all times. So, you know, you had the Roscoe getting a meal thing. You had the vegetarian restaurant or the vegan restaurant option. You've had them go after drivers and things like that. I can't remember if LH was really like actively against Nicholas Latifi, but But I'm assuming so. (laughs) His his fans were calling for his head because of Abu Dhabi 2021. 
Oh, like they were yes. calling for Michael Massey's head at Abu Dhabi 2021. I'll never forget the day one of my employees came to me and he's like, you like F1, yeah? I was like, yeah, a bit. He goes, oh, I met someone who used to work for F1. I was like, do you remember his name? And he was like, yeah. Uh, he said his name was Michael Massey. I was at his daughter's wedding and I was like, oh, you didn't meet someone who works for F1. You met the man who brought about one of the most controversial and will be talked about for the rest of the sport's existences. And he's like, really? What happened? So I filled him in on the whole story and he was like, oh, well, he seemed really relaxed and calm about the whole thing. I was like, yeah, pressure's he, off him for now. <laughs> he was always relaxed and calm, even when the team bosses were going at him, though. Toto would be at him. It was like, Michael, you need to reinstate the lap before. And he turned around and be like, yeah, I'm just having a look at it, mate. Just yeah, having a look. Uh, it's also that Australian delivery that I think rubs a lot of people the wrong way to where it is almost relaxed to a fault. <laughs> Can't help being an Australian. No, it's just who we are. Look, do you have any other big news to go through today? Just that Alpha Tauri, besides bringing an upgraded driver, are bringing a bunch of upgrades for their car. What are they focusing on? And then the follow-up question to that is, do you expect to see the times get better for Alpha Tauri on the track? I'll, I'll answer the latter first. No. <laughs> what, they're, okay. what, they're, what they're doing is they're looking for a balance. So the Alpha Tauri this year is really unstable in the rear, especially during low-speed corners, which is why Danny being there is a bit iffy in my book because he struggled in the McLaren when it was struggling in high-speed corners and low-speed corners, yeah? Yep. Yep. So they're... They're bringing an upgrade to the underfloor, in specific the tunnel inlet area, to allow a volume of airflow through the underfloor. They're continuing. Oh, fucking! I hate this article. The rear bodywork's getting an upgrade as well, creating basically another way to get airflow through that sort of stuff. Sorry, it reduces the damage of the airflow going through the rear bodywork to keep it stable. I only read half the sentence trying to skim over this. I'm not really good at this stuff. It's making sense. There's also an upgrade to the diffuser. It's been blown out a little bit, giving it a greater lateral expansion. And this will, you know, pulls the airflow wake out from the rear tires, reducing the blockage that forms that that forms when the diffuser is not working. And finally, the rear wing is getting a medium downforce upgrade. If you okay, want more, look, I'm going to post this article in the description. You just can read it for yourselves. I just skimmed over it. Yeah, look, now I'm going to take a bit of a shot at interpreting these changes that they're bringing. Now, I'm not a technical engineer. Neither am I'm I. If technical or engineering at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this doesn't sound to me like, okay, we're bringing these upgrades to increase what our strengths are. This sounds to me like foundational steps to go, okay, we've identified the problem in our platform. These are the bare foundational building blocks we need to put in to actually bring about genuine development performance. It sounds like this is the foundation layer. Yeah, this is basically what they're, they're doing. They're, just, they're bringing in what they think will cause cause the times to come down and it's just going to come down to set up to see if they can zone in on what they need to do. It'll be interesting. 
I mean, I'm not expecting big things. As much as I would love to be like, you know, it's hungry, Danny comes back, it's a freak race, he gets a win. Like, yes, that's that's the dream right there. But in reality, it's going to be really, really nice to see Daniel Ricciardo come 14th and Sonoda 17th. And that's enough. That's what we need out of him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I, I think it goes to speak. When they fire Sergio Perez on Christmas Day later this year... Um, Ooh, I have an update on that. You do? Yes, but it's not about Sergio. It's about Danny. But anything that involves Danny relates to Sergio. An article came out that quoted Christian Horner today, and it's on F1.com, that stated that we are preparing Daniel for a return in 2025. A date was actually placed on it. Okay. Well, that means next year to me. That literally (laughs) means next year to me. Anyway, to, to further my point, for Daniel to race in a Red Bull next year, He's not only going to slap the piss out of Sonoda this weekend, but he needs to slap the piss out of where the car theoretically can come. And right now, it's the worst car on the grid, bar the Alfa Romeo, yeah? Yes, and that's track-ish dependent too. It's very track-ish dependent, but overall, average-wise, whatever you want to describe it, the Alfa Tauri and the Alfa Romeo are the two worst cars on the grid. Correct. So if... Daniel Ricciardo aims for 15th because that's all the car can get and he comes 13th or 12th and still slaps the piss out of Sonoda, then that's a win. Massive win, massive win. It's just finishing ahead of Sonoda going forward is his goal. Yes, finishing ahead of Sonoda and also, I guess, consistent delivery in the car. So, you know, defining a setup that is easy for the team to manage and use, all those little things. We know that Daniel is one of the best people to have in your team from a culture perspective. So that buys this man a huge amount of capital. I don't think there was a team principal who didn't say, man, we wish we could actually have Daniel at this point, but we're just in a position where it's not an option. He's very expensive. Very expensive. And when it's working, it is 100% worth it. Yes, Hmm. I am wearing rose-tinted glasses back to his actual days in Red Bull. Anyone who critiques his career after that does have some valid points when they're like, look, he may be washed. I'm still going to stick with the fact that he is a born and bred Red Bull natural and can only work and live in that ecosystem. The same way with, I guess, Max. We've never seen Max outside the ecosystem. We don't know what he's able to do. Checo's very, very adaptable. And we know that. Same with Carlos, I'd say. But because of their adaptability, they're not these natural freaks in that one machine. So there's kind of that like give and take, I guess. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this because I didn't want to just be the hype man for Daniel Ricciardo. I kind of wanted to analyze and state why there's such this, I guess, love that I have for him. And it's on that level. So maybe back in this Red Bull system, Toro Rosso slash AlphaTauri being a part of that, I guess not following it very closely, hopefully. It just gels. I get Remains that. to be seen. I I guess when it comes down to Q1 this weekend, let, let's see how they go getting out of Q1. If they both get out of Q1, fantastic. If just one does, awesome. But if neither of them do, you just want to hope Danny's ahead of him. Exactly. Exactly. I, um, I did a little bit of research for this weekend. I've had, and Reese. You'll enjoy this. I've had a little bit of look at the weather. Good. Yeah. How rainy is it? Okay. So not as rainy as we want. It's going to be rather wet on the Friday. So the practice sessions are going to be wet. Saturday is supposed to be very, very overcast. 
possible shower, and then Sunday's supposed to be sunny. Now, racing weather is far more entertaining to watch. What I like about this, though, what I like about a mixed weather weekend is it forces the teams into a position where, okay, once you hit qualifying, Park Ferme rules come in. You cannot touch your car or adjust anything. There's like one setting you can adjust, which is yeah, like your front wings. wing. It's your yep. front wing, not your rear wing. Only your front wing. Yep. Apparently, no one's allowed to touch the rear wing. Every time someone touches it, everyone's like, find him, lock him up. You know how it goes. Throw so, him in jail. <laughs> uh, brilliant. If you haven't, you should probably send a little bit of money to Rocket Powered Mohawk to get his podcast which he can't release for free. It's brilliant. There's reasons for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's reasons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I really like about this setup, though, is, okay, in the practice, you're in the rain, so you need to set your car up in a particular way and you're using a different set of tyres. Your data is worthless. It then really it means nothing. The, yeah, then it comes to qualifying and you need to make the call. Okay, do we set this car up for the wet Absolutely now qualifying and then hold position. It's hungry. You can get away with holding position. I want to draw your attention to exhibit A of Fernando Alonso absolutely making Hamilton work so hard for a pass on the track in the dry. When was that? Two years ago? Yeah, it was Ocon's win. It was, yeah, you know. We'll talk I, about that later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. No, no, no. We will acknowledge it later. That's all. You Uh, can. I shall. I'm willing to fall on the sword for that one. I'm not. So if you have this wet setup car and you get on pole, then you're essentially setting yourself up for what? How many laps is it? Is it in the 70s? It's 70 something. I think it's 70 laps. It's a short track. It is only Um, 2.72 miles. Yeah. So then then you're essentially playing a defending and pit strategy game to maintain your road position and hopefully just block people. Or you can go the opposite. All right, we're going to sacrifice a little bit of time in qualifying and then earn it back on the racetrack with a better setup. That interplay is always fascinating. Simply because you get a team like Williams, McLaren-ish, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, who will normally do something absolutely bonkers and just get in the way of everybody for the race. I know, but the the other thing too is this track is notorious for having no passing zones. There's only one real passing opportunity, and that's turn one. So yeah, block, and doing the Monaco train strategy is actually viable. You've just got to block viable. for one corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, and you know that one corner has led to some pretty interesting. Results in the past. I want to draw your attention to uh, Valtteri Bottas. Kamikaze. <laughs> it's t- <laughs> Look, <laughs> I still rate that as one of the funniest F1 moments of all time because what is it? Six drivers got taken out in one corner from two crashes because there was the Valtteri who took out three Everyone. or four people. No, there was another one behind where the other two cars bungled into each other and went off in the slide, but they weren't touched by Valtteri. <laughs> no, my favourite favorite moment of that because it was wet at the start so they've they've all done laps under the safety car and then as the safety car is pulling in every car pulls into the pits because the track's dry enough to um have dries on there's one car that stayed out on wets so there's just one mercedes on the grid (laughs) because no one wanted to be around a mercedes (laughs) at that point 
<laughs> no. <laughs> was is that the same year or a different year? Same year. It's literally up the restart after that crash, after the red flag. Yeah, it's a um the racing isn't always the best, but something always happens at Hungary, and I think it's because it's right jammed up to like the mid-season break. We've got one race after this. So you've kind of got people going, well, you know what? We've got development coming. Most of these parts are getting changed. Have at it, boys. <laughs> it is funny. It It is funny. Look, do we want to talk about some track facts? Okay. I'm going to ask you questions about it because I've got it open up right now. Oh, is this trivia again? No, this isn't the trivia I've got for later, but this is, I just, I found something that's really funny. Can you okay. name? Can you name me the location of the Hungaro Ring in Hungary? Yes. Take, take a guess. Where do you think? It, without googling. Okay. <laughs> I, I I seen your face go yeah. straight to it. Yep. Yeah. No, I had I had the Wikipedia open. It's now closed. Off the top of my head, I don't actually know, but I want to say it's near Budapest because it's the only place in Hungary I know. I mean, yes. But to be um, to be completely correct, it is in Pest County. Okay, pest. Pest. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes, it's a very <laughs> pest track, isn't it? <laughs> and for any anyone who's like not an English first language speaker, that pest means like annoying animal or like a frustrating little thing. So technically, you're right saying it is in Budapest, but I just wanted the county name, Pest County. I'll take that. That's a fair. That's a fair, fair question. What's next? How many turns? Off the top of your head, twenty-two, fourteen, fourteen. Oh God, I'm way off there. Lap record? Who holds it? Mm, okay, so I know from memory that this is one of Lewis's best tracks of all time. Is it now? Yes. So it's Valtteri Bottas. No, it's Lewis Hamilton in the W eleven. Oh! One sixteen point six two seven. It's a, it is a brilliant track to watch highlights on because it is so fast and sweeping. Okay, okay, okay. so it is Lewis. I knew it was his best track. What was the old lap record on the old circuit? So oh, in two thousand and three, they changed it. Just take a guess on who has it. Okay, two thousand and three. So that the lap record was set in two thousand two. Michael. Yeah. Cool. 116.207. And what was Lewis's from? 116.627. So the track change really didn't bring about much, did it? So, so the, <laughs> Actually, it did, because if you look at the old track, there was a shorter run to turn one. Turn one was a sweeping, sort of like a sweeping loop. And then yep. turns, uh, turns 12, 13, and 14 were completely different because it, uh, it had like a straight there. It's probably the best okay. way to describe it. And I guess when we are talking about the track of Hungary, it's another one that falls into the flow state track where your decision on turn one affects you pretty much right up until turn six. And then your yeah. decision from there affects you for the next five or six corners. So it is one of those tracks that relies heavily on perfection at certain points of the track to set you up for success in the next ones. Most tracks have two or three corners that link and loop. Hungary is one of those ones that all of them essentially link together in some way. I'll give you the big the big run is from turn six. Oh, actually, I'd say five, six, seven, the breaking zone into eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. That is your biggest run of linking together because if you fuck up 
early on into like turn eight, then your run out of turn 11 is going to be half a second slower. And there you go. Like it's a track with what was that? Six corners? That was about five or six corners. Yeah. Yeah, Seven. Where every, and we're talking tenths, hundreds, thousands of a second, every little part of time affects that end run. So yeah, it's awesome. What's your next one? What's my next one? How many fans fit into the Hungara ring? Okay, grandstand capacity, I want to say 185,000. It's only 70,000. That's very small, isn't it? It is a very small track. But that's it. That's it for questions for the track. Okay, well, I like, that's a far better way of doing it instead of just reading it off, so I enjoyed that. You got any highlights? Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple. So I've mentioned the first one, the Alonso versus Hamilton defense. And that was Alonso's first year back, wasn't it? He was in the Alpine. Yep. Uh, Hamilton tried to pass him, I want to say, for five or six laps this battle went on with Fernando Alonso showing just why he is one of the best natural defensive drivers of all time. He was putting that car in places that was making Hamilton go either to the outside or the inside, and he just positioned himself perfectly. When this race happened, every single person spoke about it for weeks afterwards. It was, you saw two of the best drivers of all time with no one else around them to get in the way, just fight it out in pure competition. Hamilton did end up getting past at the end, I believe. Yeah, but it was too late at that point. He had no time to uh, catch up to Esteban. So, realistically, that meant uh, Alonso won that race, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Yeah, I do want to point out another memory from that is the celebration afterwards (coughs) where Fernando picks Esteban up like a ballet dancer, his arms are out, and they spin around in the pit lane. Yeah, Everyone put that to Titanic music. I thought that was fantastic. (laughs) I've also got... Another highlight from that battle is uh, one of our favourite commentators and possibly the most developed immune system on the planet. Nico Rosberg was in commentary and anytime he's commenting on Hamilton, it's brilliant because Sky is traditionally normally more biased or in favour or even just outright biased at most times towards Lewis Hamilton. Then you have Nico Rosberg who is the complete opposite. So... I thought that was brilliant. Anytime I can hear Nico kind of putting in little digs through commentary, I think it's fantastic. I agree. Uh, the other memory is, of course, the Valtteri Bottas just bowling, taking out a bunch of cars and all the photoshops of him afterwards with the, the Bunzai headband on. Yep. I thought it was brilliant. And that's kind of all my memories for Hungary. Yeah, I'm trying to think back even to some like old school memories, but I don't really have... Oh, actually, I do. It's known as a track that gives a lot of first-time wins. Obviously, we talked about Esteban getting that win because of Alonso. There's another few world champions who have had their first win at this track. Now, was it Max? No, Max won his first race at Spain. Spain. And his very first Red Bull race. Yeah, the freak. Uh, Okay, who else had their first wins at Hungary? Uh, Jensen Button. Okay, yep, world champion. Yep, I'm just, I'm looking for it now on this thing. Give me a second. Fuck, where was it? I literally was reading it before. Ah. Fernando. 
Orso got his first win here. Damon Hill got his first win here. Damon Hill, all right, yep. Carry on, sir. There's one more. He's not he's not a world champion. But his name's Heike Kovalainen. He won in two thousand and eight. Heike. Man, I haven't heard that name in a while. He was brilliant. He was Lewis's teammate that year because Fernando pissed off back to Renault. <laughs> uh well, okay, there you go. So I guess Hungary does have a merit. Sometimes it is a bit of a drag of watch, and that's simply just the the passing aspects not there. But for any mm. of the strategy heads or that sort of stuff, there's a there's a lot on offer at this track. It's also where I think Seb Vettel really, really shone with his social work that he does, where he wore uh, the rainbow helmet in Hungary, where that yep. is technically an illegal symbol to use. Didn't care. So I think that's also brilliant too. I'm always going to be a supporter of the drivers being allowed to make statements that they believe in. I think it does annoy people, but you know what? Like celebrities them. are allowed to use their platform. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not against it. I mean, we all know Lewis will have the rainbow on his helmet this weekend. Yep. And, you know, we will never critique the work that Lewis actually does for the communities he cares about and involved in. He's a fantastic philanthropist like that. Same with Seb. Wasn't it Seb and Lewis hosted a race in Saudi Arabia specifically for yep. female drivers? Yeah. They do brilliant work together. Now, you have trivia for me, mate. I do. So, to get payback on you from the other show... <laughs> and if anyone hasn't listened, Jack to, uh, likes, to bring up, likes to bring up trivia that I'm not good at. <laughs> and the next one's flags. Yeah, I'm not going to be good at it. So to <laughs> preemptively get back at you, I googled, oh. I googled a, a quiz. Okay, and I, I'm going to ask you a, a, a few questions off of it to see how you do. Are you ready for this? I. Uh, Yes. Yes. Question one. Which team holds the record for the most Constructors World Championships in Formula One history? McLaren. Wrong. Williams? Also wrong. You get one more guess. Most Constructors wins. Ferrari? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. You get so that's one a third point. Of a point. Yeah, I'll give you a third of a point. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Jackie Stewart achieved the world championship in 1969, 1973, and which other year? 71, mm. 79, 80, or 77? Oh, see, I'm stuck between 79 or 78. 78's not an answer. Okay, I'm stuck between 79 and something else you said. 77? Um, se- 70, I'm going to say, yeah, that's the one, 77. Nah, I'm going to go 79. It was 71. Oh, okay. No points. I'll take it, though. I do like Sir Jackie Stewart. I think he's fantastic, especially when on Top Gear they always refer to him as a woman. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Where was the first Formula One night race held? Singapore, Ooh. Abu Dhabi, Monza, or Bahrain? Oh, okay. Singapore. You're correct. 
Yes. Yeah, I knew the others are more recent. Singapore's been around for a little bit longer because Bahrain's practically brand new. Monza, I don't think, has ever done it at night time. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Saudi Arabia is relatively new on the calendar, all things considered. Which Formula One driver has the most podium finishes? Fernando, Michael, Ayrton, or Alan Prost? Michael. You're correct. Yep. It was either going to be Michael or Lewis, and since Lewis wasn't there, it had to be Michael. Um, Ayrton, still one of the greatest talents to ever see the sport, but he was what? In the sport for three, four years. Life was taken way too soon. He was in it for like over a decade. Really? I thought he was only in for such a short time. No, he he started in the 70s, like late 70s, and got through to 94. Oh, wow. I... Okay, that changes my perspective because I do like Ayrton Senna, but I've never really watched his races because everyone just talks about him with, like, reverence, I guess. Juan Pablo Montoya left Formula One in 2006 to join what sporting comp? IndyCar. No. Okay. Is it... I have one question. Is it racing? Yes. (laughs) Do you want me to give you the four multiple choice? Yes, please. But you only get one chance at it. Yep, happy with that. Le Mans, WRC, MotoGP, or NASCAR? Mm. For some reason, NASCAR's sticking out, but so is Le Mans. I want to say Le Mans? It was NASCAR. Ah, oh, damn it, damn it. I, I knew he was in NASCAR at one point because I've, I've heard him spoken about there because he was also wild over there too, wasn't he? Yep. Here we go. <laughs> Which Formula One Grand Prix does Gulf Air sponsor? Gulf Air. G-U-L-F. Yep. So I want to say that's either Qatar or Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi and was an answer. Was? It was the only one of those two that was an answer. Okay, I'm going to say Abu Dhabi. because it it It's is not Abu Dhabi. It's Bahrain. It's Bahrain. Oh, really? Oh, the Gulf. Yes. I knew it had to be... On the Arabian Peninsula, because that's that that Gulf is where that airline's founded. So I knew it was in there somewhere. What year did Michael Schumacher first drive for Ferrari in Formula One? Okay, so he began at Benetton. Did he now? He raced at Benetton at one point in his career. He did. Was he Jordan originally? He was for one race. One race at Jordan. Okay, cool. And then Benetton. Then he went Ferrari. I want to say either 99 or 2000. And I'm going to say 98. Not an answer. What are the choices? <laughs> 78, 94, 92, or 96? 96. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. I knew it was just before the millennium, and it didn't really all come together until they clicked into 2000. That's when it was just absolute dominance. In 2008, who set the record to become the youngest driver to win a Formula One race? Max Verstappen. No. You didn't listen to the question. In 2008. Oh, 2008. Seb Vettel. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was 18 and Max was 17, I think. And yes. then they banned 17-year-olds from racing. Yep. I'm still scrolling down trying to pick another question for you. That's okay. I feel like I'm going about 
average. I should be I stop better. Ca- I stopped counting. The listeners know. They know what I'm doing. Ooh. Which car company provides the engines for the Formula One Red Bull team? Now, keep in mind, this was an earlier question. Like This was made a few years ago. Okay. So, I'm going to see if I can remember all the manufacturers that Red Bull has worked with because they've changed quite a bit. Actually, that's probably a better one because you'll probably pick this up pretty quickly. Name all of them. So, Renault's one? Yes. Honda's one? Yes. Red Bull Powertrains is one? Yes, but who is that with? That was with... I don't count Red Bull Powertrains because they're with a they're with a company car. Uh, a oh, car. company car. Honda. Car no. No. It's not. It's not yet a partnership. It will become a partnership. Oh, Ford. Yes. There's one more. Yeah, that was going to be my next one. That like they're moving to Ford when that new engine regs come through. There's one more engine. All right. One more engine. So I've said Renault. Said Honda. Were they Toyota at one point? They weren't. Okay, no, I have no clue. It's a very obscure one, but the very first year of Scuderia Toro Rosso, they had to have a Ferrari engine. Because really? Of a, because of a grandfather deal from Minardi, they had to have a Ferrari engine that year. How did that perform? Well, they went to Renault the next year. Okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Question answered, yep. <laughs> Uh, yep. Okay, I feel like I did pretty good there with that one because I do... Engines aren't super crazy. Once we get into like the mid-2000s, engines simplify a huge amount because there's only a couple of manufacturers. Back in the day, in like the 70s, 80s, 90s, it was like some of the engine manufacturers was Bob and his shed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally like a dude who's like, I just banged this together and it's really quick. I'm just looking for oh. one last question for you. Cool, because then I have one question for you. Awesome. This is this is it. Which driver won the 2013 Formula One Mon- Monaco Grand Prix? 2013. Monaco. Oh. I want to say Danny, but I don't know if he was winning races then. No, he was at HRT that year. HRT, cool. So it wasn't him. 2013. Now, I have a distinct feeling that this is the only race that this driver's ever won. Pastor Maldonado. No. Okay. I'll give you one I more guess. Know. One more guess. 2013 Lewis. Wrong. It was Nico. Ah, Nico. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. So my question for you, and it's going to be a little bit of a painful one. It's very, very rare that an F1 team just starts. Yes. So the most recent one was Haas. Mm-hmm. Name the derivative team. So pick some teams. Who yep. were they before they were today? Okay, we'll start with Mercedes. Yep. Before Mercedes, they were Braun, which was bought Correct. from one pound of Honda. Yes. Honda <laughs> bought the team from British American. It was BAR Racing. It's British American yep. something. And there's one before... I believe the one before that was Stuart. I want to say it was Stuart Racing for Jackie Stewart. I think it was his team. And that was when that team was 
founded. Yes, I believe that to be correct. I'm just looking for a neat little graphic that I used to have saved. Cool. I can do one for Ferrari. It's just been Ferrari since it started. Yep. McLaren also since it started has been McLaren. Same with Williams? Same with Williams. Who did Jordan turn into? Jordan now is Alpine. Correct. Yep. Yep. I, I just find it so fascinating that there's that evolution of this sport where, you know. Wait, is it? Maybe. I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. No, that's wrong. It, it started as Benetton. Benetton into Renault. Renault into Defunct. Defunct into Lotus. Lotus into Renault. Renault into Alpine. So it was Benetton. That started it. It wasn't Jordan. Jordan is what's currently Aston Martin. Yes, actually, that's right, because they've had that weird evolution. Yeah. Because it went it, Jordan into, I want to say it was Midland for a year. Midland then it went, was definitely in it for a while, like and a then year. It, and then there was Spiker, and then it went to Force India, Force India to Racing Point, Racing Point to Aston Martin. Well, you see... This <laughs> this is why I make trivia hard for you on our other show because this one's impossible to get you on. <laughs> and then Sauber, like Sauber was Sauber to begin with, and then in early 2007 it was bought by BMW, so it became BMW Sauber. That was for a few years, and then BMW left, went back to Sauber, then to Alfa Romeo, and has now been bought by Audi and will become. Sauber for the next two years and then become Audi Racing in 2026. What ended up happening to... Oh, God. It was just on the top of my head. Um, Minardi. Minardi's Toro... Ah, Alfa Tauri. Alfa Tauri, yep. So it was bought by Red Bull a year after Red Bull bought Jaguar. And Red Bull bought Jag, yeah. Yeah. That's where... Because I remember it was a British... Mm -hmm. A British team. The history of F1 is fascinating with how these teams have evolved. Mm. Here's just another, this is just a pure enjoyment question. Your favourite livery of all time? My favourite livery of all time? Yep. Oh, fuck. Because there have been some crackers, but it's got to be the chrome McLaren of like the late 20, 2000s, early 2010s. That the Vodafone livery. one? Yeah. Yeah. Lewis won yeah, his world, first world championship in it. Oh, it was just dope. It that was stunning for me, and I. It's not allowed anymore. But was it the, the Marlboro. Liveried car. I for can't McLaren? remember who had it. Yeah, was it the McLaren? Because the, the red and white one? one. The yeah. red and white one. Yeah, McLaren. Yeah, the Ant and Santa one. Yeah, that. That there was fantastic. And weirdly enough, and you hate this, I remember when we first started enjoying the sport together and I pointed out what I thought my favourite car was. Can you remember? Because you hated this one. Did the you? black and gold rich energy Haas was Ugh. so good looking. So good looking. It's so bad. It just oh. That brought down the, the downfall of that team. Look, it did. The sponsorship was... Is it Will Story, the absolute lunar fucking tick? Yeah, yeah Bad Santa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, there's something about black and gold. It looked good. It was unique. I like that one. Um, 
Ferrari always looks pretty damn good. I mean, it's always rad. Yep. The only misstep I think they had was when they had the green mission window thing on it. That was just strange. Didn't make sense to have that lime green on there. What was your ugliest or least favorite livery of all time? Oh, it's the... um. Fuck, what was it? Oh, it has to be the Pink Panther. I hated the Yeah, that's Panther. mine too. Yep. The, yeah, pink, the pink Panther. I hated the pink on it. I hate anything with pink on it, to be honest, but that was really bad. Oh, and see, I'm the opposite. I like the color pink. Or, I like the purple. color pink too. I've just never found it good on anything that's car related. Yeah, no, particularly in cars, it just it doesn't work in our opinion. It was striking. It's like it striking. did get the attention. And they needed the attention, but I tell you what, didn't look good. Also, some of the other weird ones, like <laughs> back in like late eighties, early nineties, you'd get a lot of like yellows, blues, and reds all kind of just smooshed together on a car, really mm-hmm. like color blocked out. They were always interesting. But I guess, mate, we should probably get into some predictions for the weekend. Uh, Max puts it on pole, gets the lead into turn one, and then pulls a thirty-five second lead on the rest of the pack. Not crazy. Not crazy. The craziest part's the 35 seconds. <laughs> and even then, it's not that crazy. Like, you're like, yeah, yeah. 35 seconds. He can do and that. He um, can probably do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think this is going to be a particularly strong track for Fernando. We've seen how close he can get to max qualifying. Mm. If. If. He Who can has get the it on inside pole. line? Who has the inside line? Going into turn one, is it pole or is it two? Well, this is the track where you want to actually start third, not second. Yeah, I know. Because you want that So I'm going to say it's the, yeah, the inside. Yeah. I can't remember. Because if it was the, if you could get the inside on two, then you've got a better chance of passing Max into turn one. Then you just got to hold yeah. him for that, that second little straight and get him on the outside of turn two. Yeah, and if there's a man who can do that, it's Fernando. Oh, easily. Uh, do you suspect the Mercedes to have any effect here this weekend? I reckon it'll be a strong track. Remember last year, Woody put it on pole and they had a double podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember so that. So I reckon Mercedes will look stronger than McLaren and Aston Martin this weekend. Okay, and that's a significant mix-up for the year. So I'll take that. Now, McLaren. Upgrades no. had an effect at Silverstone. I don't here. think they have a I don't think they have an effect here. Yep. I agree. I think that I think it's a struggle <laughs> weekend for McLaren, but a struggle weekend with a new car, so probably like ninth, tenth. Which is yep. still better than what they were. Yep. No, I'm happy with that. I think that's a pretty fair assumption. Um the usual stragglers down the bottom will be fine. Look, those Haas boys can qualify pretty well. It's their ties that kill them. It's the ties that kill them. If they're qualifying relatively well, you can form a train here and cruise around and manage your tie where relatively well. So if they manage to just throw all their eggs for qualifying, they might just disrupt the race and strategy enough to snag a points finish. I think done well, Haas will kind of elbow their way into something good this weekend. I don't think it will be indicative. I think it's just using every little advantage that they have just to wrangle a few more points. It's just conserving that tire wear because like that tire just gets eaten up on the Haas. It's it's always been like that this year. The, the tire wear on the Haas kills them in the race, and that's why they're always at the back. 
because they got a pit five laps earlier than everyone else. And from what you understand about this, is it a mechanical wear, so the actual friction and heat generated, or is got it no, a... Got no idea. They just seem to yeah, eat cool. through tyres. Yeah, and you are right. I'd just be wondering if it's more like, okay, is it the way that the air is flowing around it causing hot bits that are essentially boiling it, or is it just the mechanical wear of how the, the wheels are set up in the suspension geometry that's just eating them? We don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a bit of column A with a bit of track temperature as well, because when the ta- track temperature is high, that's when the Haas chews through it like no, nothing else. It's the same with the Afetaris. They chew through them as well at high temps on the track. So he's hoping for overcast all weekend then, hey? It, pretty much. You just want a bit of co- cooler track temps for him. Yep. Uh, Williams, if anyone's going to wring something out of it, I think Albon will. Hopefully Sargent, at this point in the season, has a little bit more consistency with it. Hungary is a very difficult track. I, I want him to perform well here. Albon is still, I think, very, very clearly the more experienced and talented driver at this point. Talent also comes with experience. Hopefully, the Williams has a good thing here. I'm a big Williams fan, especially no, no. Albon. But I also lo- I like Sargent. He seems like, you know, he's a really good addition to the sport. He's a, he's an American. That brings in a huge amount of views and growth for the sport. And that's, that's what we want to see. We want to see it more popular. But what I like about him too is, I guess, and anyone who is an American will know this, that each part of the world views your country very, very differently because of the fact that it is a superpower. And once your country clicks into that, there's a lot of different perspectives that people have on it. What I I like about Logan is he just seems like a very, very good, like almost like cultural ambassador for the country. He's a very clean young man, not very controversial. He puts his helmet on. He does his job. It's not always perfect, but he's also a junior at it. So I like him. I want to see more of him. Fair enough. To answer your question, do I? is there anyone else I really want to talk about? No. There's not really anyone no. else to talk about. I don't see the Alfa Romeos having a strong weekend. I don't see... I mean, the Alpines, maybe one of them will have a strong weekend. The other one will probably get 15 seconds worth of penalties. I tell you what, it's going to... Um, <laughs> I tell you what, if Ocon wins again, it's going to really fucking shake up the sport. <laughs> oh, please no. Well, do you see any other car other than that Red Bull winning this year, realistically? Yes, I I still believe that there will be a race where Max doesn't win. Okay, they've had two. Sergio won them. Okay, I do see a race. Yeah, it's true. He did win a couple. Um, I I do see another another manufacturer getting a race win. Do I think it's on sheer just like actual pace and beating them? No, I think that at one point something's going to let go on that Red Bull. Sergio will be qualifying and fighting his way through the pack. Then it will be an absolute fisticuffs between one of the Mercs, one of the Astons, and just like whoever manages to get it gets it. That's where I see it happening. Pace-wise, no. We didn't speak about the Ferraris. I mean... How long until they has, fuck it up? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Has Ferrari done anything worth speaking of apart from... His, it's the same as Max. We, we, we mention Max every week because you have to talk about the winner. But, you know, Red Bull isn't changing anything they're doing and it's working. Ferrari's not changing anything they're doing and it's not working. Like, what the fuck do you want us to talk about with them? Actually, <laughs> like, we genuinely. We missed something. Red Bull's bringing an upgrade this weekend that they reckon <laughs> will shave two tenths off their time. No, no, ban them. <laughs> Stop them, <laughs> please. It's not. It's not necessary. 
<laughs> and it's I like, love watching Max win, but please don't let that happen. It's like that scene in um The Simpsons where Homer's dressed up as Krusty and he goes to like Krusty Burger. And like the Hamburglar turns up and Homer kills him. And that kid's <laughs> like, stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> dead. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's already that. Like, I think that if I'm a team principal of Williams or Al- the Alphas, either or, I'm going to be like, Red Bulls are going to upgrade? Sweet, not an issue. If I'm Aston or Mercedes, that that's where I'd be, or Ferrari, I'd be really, really nervous to be like, well, we already can't beat them at our max. Like, what's the point now? <laughs> like, genuinely. At what point does Red Bull just focus all their time on next year? What At what point do you call it? I reckon now, man. Honestly, I think that there's no big changes coming in next year. There'll no. be maybe some anti-competition things. Maybe a little bit of a limit here. The other thing we haven't talked about is apparently everyone's breaking the budget cap again. Yeah, true. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about it now. One, because we've spoken for an hour. And two, there's no actual information apart from every team being like, no, it's not us, it's everyone else. That's it. That's the news. Everyone's saying someone else did it. Yeah. I'm oh. going to go out on a limb, though, and say I don't think Red Bull's done it again. But if they have, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's all catering, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> we, yeah. So, yeah. Have you got anything else you want to add? Not really. Nick's been um online today just saying he's going to be taking a break. Good. You need one. Uh, Brad you Pitt's once again at the Hungara ring. Well, he's Gar- making an F1 movie, isn't he? Yeah, well, his garage is set up again. Sonny Hayes. Driving car 58. I didn't realize that last week. Oh, sorry. Garage 58. He's in He's in uh, car seven. So he stole mm. Kimmy's number. Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that, there you go. Take from that what you will. That's my thoughts on that. Are you going to watch it? I'm not going to watch it. I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't watch anything. Look, let's wrap up, mate. Otherwise, we'll go for all night. Thank you for listening, everybody. We we hit another massive milestone over the last week. We um we spoke a couple of weeks ago how last year it took us a year for a thousand people to, to to hear us, and then we mentioned a few weeks ago that oh, in the first five or so months we've we've got to two thousand. It's happened again. We're now a month or two after that. We we've made it to three thousand. Took us by surprise. It means so much to me and Andy as people who are doing this one because we love it and two, it's a creative outlet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. And those people who've been from us, been with us from day one, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. We want to build a little bit of a family around this where we can all just kind of talk and enjoy this sport that we like. And especially if you like it in our style. Mm. Of course, we've got our social media, which is at Formula Bums, except for Twitter, which is at Bums Formula. My bad. Website's down. We've sunsetted the website. Life's just too busy for us to be podcasters and and authors. One day, when we're more stable and more organized, it will be back up. But it's not a pride at the moment. It might be be back up in a month or two, but it'll be more just a, like, here's the show sort of thing. Here's what we're doing. Nothing crazy. No posting, no blogging, none of that shit for now. Just like yep. a little one-stop shop. You can send us 
reviews on the website, that sort of thing, please do. It would help us a lot. <laughs> you can yeah. tell us where we suck and not, but yeah, it'll probably be down for like a month, maybe two. Nothing crazy. And we do. We we you've seen the interaction we've had with with Chunky over in the US. That's been so much fun to interact with and muck around with. So, and we'd love for more of you to reach out. It'd be cool every week if we could read a few things that you guys have sent us, even if they're positive or negatives. It's fun. We just like talking about this crap. And apart yeah. from that, we'll see you next week for a review. Catches. Catch up.